This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Hees. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, and we're here to become better habitat managers. Guys, a couple pretty exciting things here this week. Awesome podcast here with Frank Brock at Morse Nursery. First of all, all things spring tree planting. Get your final orders in with Frank. Um, you know, a lot of people are planting their trees right now. They're shipping out the door at Morse Nursery. We've been a partner with Morse a very long time. No matter what anybody says, they grow high quality trees and have great genetics and rootstock from Morse Nursery here in Michigan and Indiana. So, if you're interested in trees, check them out. Today, we're going to talk with Frank about the genetics, why certain parent trees matter. We're going to talk about something we've never covered before, which is chestnut trees, but for deer and also, you know, making some money, put some money in your pocket, commercial chestnut planting and harvesting. Uh, we talk about shrubs, the use of shrubs, Frank's favorite shrubs, when we're talking about transition areas you know making screens and, and transitions and then also you know for deer browse food we also talk about some of morris's products um you know the, the tubes the weed mat the NutriPack fertilizer the soft soil some interesting stuff there a couple that i haven't heard of before and then we hit you know the rapid fire questions i'm working with frank on a couple custom plans to implement these trees on people's farm. So with a land plan, if you if you hire us at Habitat Podcast for a land plan and you want more trees, there's a special discount for that 
and also you get the the expertise and advice from both Morse Nursery and us at Habitat Podcast on where to plant them, what to plant, how many to plant, etc. on your property. So that's what we're here for. We're here to help. And today we're talking with uh, Frank Brock at Morse Nursery. Guys, thanks for everyone who's leaving us great reviews on iTunes and Spotify. I'm sending out free decals for those. Getting some more decals ran right now and then we'll go out the door. Free five-inch Habitat Podcast decal. To anyone who leaves us a written review, five-star review on iTunes, Google, wherever you listen to your podcast, shoot me a message. Let me know you left one. Decal coming your way. Pretty exciting stuff, guys. This episode is brought to you by Chad Thalen at United Country Midwest Lifestyle Properties. Guys, next week we're going to have a podcast about my 15 acres, and we're going to do a habitat property breakdown. And oh, by the way, the 15 is for sale. Yeah, tell me about it. It's interesting. Um, just decided that I really want to get a bigger piece in the future, and I need the the funds to uh, to purchase that next piece, really. Um, I'm still even on the dang fence about selling this place. And some amazing memories there put so much blood sweat and tears into there learned how to be a habitat manager there shot a bunch of nice bucks there um yeah so it's it's up in the air we, we listed it we're gonna see what happens um there's a link below chad thalen at united country midwest lifestyle properties it's up on the site he has two showings already on friday the 27th and another one already booked on the weekend on saturday and um the neighbors are also interested. So it's probably going to go right away. But if anybody's interested in that property, give Chad a call. Um, normally, we don't list his, his number, but his number is 517-819-6344. Shoot him a text while you're sitting there listening to the podcast. 517-819-6344. My 15 acres, the Michigan 15, is for sale on Chad's website. And again, I'm still it's bittersweet, man. It's it's uh it's something. I'm I'm looking at the listing right now and it's it's kind of I have some mixed feelings. Um but it's up there. So you guys want a turnkey hunting property, check it out. Chad, thanks for being a, a partner here at Habitat Podcast and um yeah great pieces there at Midwest Lifestyle Properties for sale. So next guys this podcast is brought to you by Vitalize Seed Company. We just have to say thank you from Vitalize Seed. Uh, the spring has been an enormous success here at Vitalize Seed. And um, orders are going out the door daily. We are keeping up with, with the inventory, with the orders, and really are excited about everybody who's committed to, you know, bettering their soil. Taking the first step. You know, we don't need you to, to you know, shun everybody who tills or shun people who plant monocultures you know the goal here with vitalize is to get people to start stepping in the direction of the six soil health principles start thinking about minimum tillage no till um just really to start moving in in that direction all natural right like the best our soil can be let's make biology work for us like mother nature intended and you know, do what God intended, put these soil, put these seeds in the soil, diverse mixes. God never had a monoculture out there 
And just we just want to thank everybody for the support of Vitalize Seed, the spring mix. We'll be offering that mix now for another probably four weeks or so. I know some of the guys uh, up north, you know, northern Minnesota, Wisconsin, northern Michigan, there's still a little bit of snow up there. So, but we are already thinking about fall food plots as well. So the carbon load will be available soon. Um, it seems extremely early to say that because we haven't even, I haven't even planted my spring fertilizer yet. But at the same time, you know, guys down south have already been planting and, and fall will be here before we know it. And we, we're going to be ready. So everybody who's interested in a highly diverse seed mix that attracts a ton of whitetail. If actually, if you look at the listing on Chad's website, you're going to see a pretty bent up looking exclusion cage and um, everything is mowed down. This is just from the spring. So the carbon load from the fall has popped up this spring and the deer are keeping it mowed down this spring. They're in there every day. So I know what I'll be planting in every single one of my food plots this year. If you're interested, check us out at vitalizeseed.com. Tell them Habitat Podcast sent you. And, you know, let's start working towards that less fertilizer, save some money, less trips to the farm, save some gas money, less herbicide, and get that better soil being built up. The deer know which plants are more nutrient dense than others. So let's give it to them. Thanks for a lot of seed for supporting the podcast. All right, guys. Well, let's get right into it with Frank at Morse Nursery. I just want to thank everyone. You know, all of our land plan clients, we are still busting out and finishing those plans. Got a couple more visits for the year here before summer green up has fully rushed in. And um, so I thank everybody who, who believes in the podcast and the knowledge that we have with our land manager team. Uh, we love helping everybody out. And, you know, we're booking for next year at this point. If you're interested, check us out. So in the meantime, I want to thank the rest of our partners. I want to thank First Light. Legendary Forest Products, Acres.co, Endless Horizons Archery in Aliquippa, PA, Packer Max Cultipackers, and Exodus Outdoor Gear. Guys, Morse Nursery, United Country, Midwest Lifestyle Properties, and Vitalized Seed, bringing you this episode this week. Let's get right into it with Frank Brock talking everything wildlife, trees, and shrubs for better quality habitat. Thanks for listening. So, so you were saying you're going to go out where at, at the house at your property or where you headed out turkey hunt? Not nah, so. Uh, Morse Nursery, we we have a property down in southern Indiana. Oh, cool. um, it's an old black walnut plantation. It's about 40 years old. Um, and I manage it along with one of my buddies from high school. Um, actually, my center, I played quarterback. He's, he was my center in, in football. So we manage the property from for Morris and uh, you know, going out to do some turkey hunt tomorrow. The season season open up opens up for us tomorrow. Oh, congratulations. And how far is that then from where you're at in terms of travel time? Uh it's only about twenty five minutes for me. So it's not bad. Helps me grow some bigger deer on the on the homestead and, and get away and hunt a little bit, which is nice. No kidding. No kidding. Well, I'm glad you were able to hop on. It's been a while. I wanted to catch up with you and, and see what's what's new over at Morris Nursery. So I guess if um, if you want, why don't you give yourself a, an introduction here and um, tell, tell us a little bit about Morris, then we'll dive into some of the topics that we discussed. Yeah, so thanks for having us on again. We always always like coming on the Habitat podcast and 
and talking to you guys about what we have going on. Uh, Morse Nursery, we are a, a tree and shrub nursery that is focused on wildlife habitat. So our main focus is whitetails and turkey. Um, we also do wood ducks and grouse, all that good stuff as well. But we have an array of products from trees and shrubs that can provide different dropping fruits and nuts on your property, for instance, late in the season. So we can be very strategic for your food plots, making those more of a reoccurring food source. But also with our you know, shrubs, you can create thickets, transitions, screens as well. So, but our focus is wildlife habitat. And, uh, you know, that's why we're such a big, a big uh, advocate here for the Habitat podcast too. Love what you guys are doing. Oh, no, appreciate that. And that's why you're, you're our partner here. Uh, been for, for years now. Um, it was cool. I finally got to meet Chris over at, uh, at the Iowa show this year. So that was kind of a nice surprise, Chris and Tom. And um, yeah, yeah. Yep. I, I, I saw him. I'm like, I have to go say hi. I, I didn't see you. And uh, I was like, man, I got to go say hi to at least, at least these guys. And, and say, so, yeah, we've been partners with you guys for a very long time, years now. And uh, yeah, great great products and we're going to hear what what's new with with morse nursery i know you know tree planting is on everybody's mind right now um we've had a few podcasts recently on on how to and and different ways to do you know pros and cons if you will or i should say um things to do and things not to do but you know let's let's talk about morse trees today and and for anybody who's wondering you know we do have a habitat code with uh with morse nursery to save everybody some money we'll we'll give that out here shortly but what is i guess special about morse trees versus the other nurseries out there there's new nurseries popping up all over the place and you got home depot you got tractor supply rural king um let's hear about you know the genetics etc yeah no and you know the more trees the better obviously so never want to knock any nurseries popping up but it what makes us different is that you know a lot of trees will advertise a lot of nurseries will advertise their trees but they're sourcing their trees so they're going out and they're buying from a nursery per se like us to then resell trees so with our model we actually own the parent trees from when charlie originally planted them many years ago or that's how we can tell you exactly when these trees are going to drop and how long they're going to drop over which particular month during the hunting season. So then you can be a little more strategic of placement on your property to influence movement. So with our genetic trees, that's how we're so exact on our drop times, for instance, is because we actually have the parent trees and every year we get to watch those produce in those timeframes. So one thing we're really trying to push and focus on is, is on our YouTube channel is we're trying to actually show you guys the parent trees. So that way you can kind of see what you're getting into. And a lot of the videos, I'm up there October, November, even December, and the trees you know, are still bearing that kind of fruit. So, you know, with our, our procedures of grafting, you know, we're giving you a genetic clone of these parent trees based out of our Michigan property in Battle Creek. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been there. Um, I guess what better way than, uh, you know, to show the proof is in the pudding then to actually show the parent tree that's a that's a cool idea we haven't talked about that before on here um yeah we haven't and one thing too you know so people know we actually collect like for our our chestnuts and our oak trees we grow those from seed so we actually go out there and we actually hand pick those every year from the trees 
So it's, you know, it's a process, but we're, we're taking it from the source. We're not going elsewhere to provide you something that we don't have. So who gets to hunt the Morse property where all these nuts are dropping in October, November? <laughs> so it's a great question. Charlie is still the, uh, the main guy hunting up there. Gotcha. Good for him. Yep. I mean, it's gotta be like the candy store of the entire it, mile or two you know it is it is and the one thing is it's kind of funny you bring that up so story time but the actual property next door is not very big and it's they lease it out to a guy for the last 10 20 years where he just sits on the outside of the property line as deer travel you know in and out of the property because if you go up to that michigan location and you walk back towards the orchard the deer and the tur- they start running and then by the time you're back to your car, uh, the trail camera's going off with pictures. They're already back in there. So it's hard to stay away. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and I mean, I, I'd assume they're eating up part of your nut production too that you guys are trying to harvest, you know, commercially, um, whether it's, it's, you know, acorns or, or chestnuts or um, let's talk about that a little bit. Do you guys... You guys promote, I saw on your on your website now, like a commercial chestnut production. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. And there's there's a couple of things to look at when you're, you're talking about commercial chestnuts. And we do, so it's funny you bring that up too, Jerry. We do compete with the wildlife up there. Usually like when we're collecting acorns from like a dwarf chinkapin, the turkeys are, are standing not far away watching us. <laughs> so we're taking their food away so we can grow you guys some trees. Um, but when it comes to uh, commercial chestnuts, this is a big opportunity in uh, rural United States right now. Um, basically, we import over 8 million pounds a year currently from China and Europe in chestnuts. And we, we are literally all, all... Say what? We as in the U.S. or you as in Morse Nursery? Uh, no, no, no. So we, as in the United States of America, put over 8 million pounds a year in chestnuts from wow. China and Europe. So with all of our land that we have, we're in a great environment for chestnuts. It used to be a staple tree um, before the blight came in and killed them all out. But we currently only produce 1% of that commercial production of chestnuts. So there's a big gap in the market. Um, for some guys like ourselves to come in and actually plant chestnuts for production. And what it really comes down to, Jared, is, you know, I have farmland that I lease out to a farmer. And I know a lot of guys probably listen to this podcast do too. And he gives me 250 on a good year per acre. And what I can t- tell you is the numbers behind these chestnuts are going to blow your mind. Because if you do 15 by 15 grid on one acre, you're looking at about 195 trees, chestnut trees. And production of those chestnut trees will be about a pound per tree by year five or six. Okay. And the nice thing about those chestnuts is you can then take them to market at wholesale for three to five dollars, or you can go directly to the market yourself, like the farmer's market, and sell them for eight to twelve dollars a pound. Wow. So the numbers are really there, and there's also some university studies, like University of Florida did one in the early 2000s, and a couple other universities have done studies on commercial production, and their claim is that a mature acre can produce 
2,000 pounds at 15 years. And that's very conservative. We have a few different customers of ours who have more than that, around 3,000 to 4,000 pounds an acre at that time. But to be conservative, we're saying about 2,000 pounds of chestnuts by year 15 per acre. So when you're looking at that price-wise wholesale, if you're selling it at $5, the 2,500 pounds, you're looking at $12,500 per acre. If you're selling them at retail at $10 per pound, you're looking at about $20,000 to $25,000 a year per acre in chestnuts. Or you can keep paying the farmer, two, he, he'll keep paying you two fifty, like he is this year for the right. next 20, 30 years. It might go up $50. So there's a huge market there by planting some trees because people always talk about timber investment. But when it comes to the production, you know, chestnuts are using a lot of things gluten-free powder, food manufacturing, pastries, or even in some of our, our favorite beers for sweetening. So there's really a market there for it, and it's a great way to make a long-term investment with one acre or two acres of property, or way more if you have the availability. Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up and that you guys are, are looking at that. Um, My buddy's been looking into doing this for years now and and it's already planted a bunch and uh it's interesting because i didn't know what the numbers were and i didn't know the fact about that we're importing that many but i mean the wildlife love them too so it's really kind of interesting now like what kind of chestnut trees are these and is there any more upkeep than what a normal wildlife tree would you'd be dealing with i mean i've planted some chestnuts but um and I really didn't do much. And and they were yeah. bearing fruit last year. So or not last year. So so that's a great question. So with commercial production, think about this, especially in our area of the United States, you want to have an earlier drop. So that's where kind of the drop times come in play. Our August and September drop would be ideal for commercial chestnuts because then you can harvest before there's like a snow on the ground. Okay. Um, and then you can have our late drop chestnuts, October, November, or December you know, for hunting purposes around your property. So it it works as like a staging area for you hunting wise. They might get some of the nuts, you get the majority of them. And then we're transitioning them late season into the October, November, December plot. But you, you bring up a good point because we actually, we're taking the guesswork out of it. We're gonna build these like the commercial chestnut pack. We're gonna have a an apple orchard pack as well. But with the chestnut pack, you're looking at 200 trees. So 100 of our August chestnut and 100 of our September chestnut. And then we also have our tree survival kits included. So we see the 92 to 94% success rate with that tree survival kit in our own chestnut orchards and other orchards. So we'd recommend that. And then we'd recommend doing like a base layer of clover uh, throughout that orchard too to provide some really nice nitrogen to the roots. And then you can really accelerate that growth so the weed mat is the next component of kind of making less maintenance for you in this kind of planting. And as long as you're getting consistent rain every three to four weeks, that mat will actually hold moisture for five to seven weeks at a time. And then on top of that, you're going to have our, our two-year Nutri-Pro pack underneath that mat. So it's getting fertilized. It's getting watered. It's also being protected from the wind, which is huge. And then also any deer browser rub too. 
So it's the survival kit, and you'll have the one-year guarantee on it. So you kind of have some confidence in your investment when you go to do a whole acre. And how many trees were in an acre? So if you go on 15 by 15 foot centers, you get, can get exactly 195. So wow. in the pack, we have two, 200. So you can kind of fit those last five in, in around somewhere. Um, if you go on 20 by 20 foot centers, that's also okay. But that's only 109 trees. So you can really ramp up your production with the 15 by 15 foot centers. And the greatest part about it is once you get, and you'll see it with your own chestnuts here soon, Jared, once you get chestnut production, it doubles every year on that tree. So that's how you can look at those projection numbers. We talked about at the 15 years, 2,500 pounds at $5 wholesale is $12,500 a year per acre. That's going to double the following year in production. So So you're looking at really growing. Double every year for how many years? Up until full maturity. Okay. So you're looking at from years five up to like 15, 16, it's going to double in size of production. Now it's eventually going to run out of room to, because the more sunlight exposure on those leaves is going to result in more production. Right. And yeah, this is just a different, uh, different, sorry to cut you off, just a different way to, Kind of look at instead of leasing your land out for you know row crops you can really kind of establish something that was here a long time ago and also create a generational production of wealth for your family no kidding no that that makes sense and what what kind of trees are they exactly and what type of soil do they do they prosper in or, or flourish in yeah great question with the chestnut which this is ideal you have to have a well-drained soil so as long as it's not holding moisture um, for more than 48 hours, it's not like standing water. They prefer like hillsides where okay. it, the water can drain off very easily. Um, a sandy loam would be ideal for this kind of stuff. Um, a clay is, is, is a tough situation, and I probably stay away from this many trees in a clay type of soil. But if you can get a nice sandy loam and it's also well draining, it's going to be ideal because America is a great spot to get these chestnuts planted because ours are also blight resistant. So our August and September chestnut and the rest of our chestnuts are as well. But those two in the package are blight resistant and they're going to give you that early season production so you can avoid the snow. Awesome. Now, that's super interesting. Um, Very, very intriguing. Always looking for a way to have your your time and and habitat fun and property, you know, give back as as an asset and. you know, generating some income is pretty cool. So um, I was very interested when I saw that on, on your website there. Um, so if anybody has questions, well, I can reach out or we can reach out more on on that to, to Frank over at Morse, because I'm sure you could go on with that for uh, for days. Um, <laughs> Definitely. So let's let's move on to like bedding and screening transitions with the use of shrubs. So normally when we do transitions, um, a lot of our plans, a lot of our clients, it can be, you know, in the timber, edge feathering, hinge cutting, um, mode paths through through different types of field settings or old field settings. What are you seeing with the use of shrubs? I mean, are we talking like, again, like a empty egg field that you're starting with? And now we're talking about building some sort of strategic secure hallway or, or 
What's your thoughts on that? So that that could be an option, you know, if you're wanting to make a secure hallway. But I really like to build off and create edges. So these shrubs, a lot of our options we have, like thicket plum, highbush cranberry, silky dogwood, um, also like our service berry. All those are, are pretty shade tolerant. So we're talking, they only need about four hours of sun max, and they'll produce really well, as well as uh, our shrub tree, like the dwarf chinkapin. But what I like to do with these shrubs is you can take edges of fields along old timber and really create another 20 foot of, of edge. And what you can do planting wise is you want to put them in a random fashion. So we don't want to really row up our shrubs unless we're trying to make a, a clear screen. In that case, you can do a 10 foot center, two rows offset. If you want a nice, nice permanent screen. But if we're making like a thicket or creating an edge, we want to do that in a random kind of spacing. So it gives off a more natural feel for the deer and they can walk through and browse without as much straight line pressure, if you follow me on that. So we can do that. And also um, the best part, you mentioned it, this is a great thing to do with hinge cuts. When you have that sunlight coming down in that, in that area now, you can replace that new growth with some great shrubs. So now you can have some plums, you can have some different, some chokeberry. You can have a lot of different options in there because browse is like 70, 80% of their diet. So if we can provide a nice, diverse browse on your property, now you're promoting bedding. And the best part about the shrubs is they don't compete with your late season trees or your food plots. They're more of that like mid-summer into mid-August kind of foliage. And then they provide a nice screening or a nice thicket late in the season when you're hunting. So it's really kind of, they kind of work together in keeping, in the name of keeping the deer on the property longer. Yeah. And I think I'd even venture to add in your scenario there, if you're hinge cutting or, or edge feathering on that hard edge from, from field to mature timber, I mean, those tops of those cut trees can act as some exclusion cages or deer fence as well. So, I mean, you could, you could even get in those tops and plant your shrubs in and among there. As, as a little bit of help in the in the fencing world um that's 100 right so it wouldn't hurt and then once they get established then you ha- then they can you know browse away right yeah, exactly and usually when you do like a hinge cut or you do like a timber clear cut you've probably seen it you usually get a lot of region of new green stuff coming up and the deer are going to flock to that so if we can replace it you know with the more nutritious you know shrubs or even trees, then we can provide a better food source long-term. Long-term, exactly. Because the rest of that stuff's going to grow up and have to be reset back again um, to to maintain that attractiveness. So yeah, that makes sense to me. Yep. And you mentioned the dogwoods, serviceberry. What else did you mention as some of your favorite deer shrubs? Or yeah, so some of my favorites that we carry um, are, are thicket plum. It's probably my number one. Turkeys and the deer love it. Nice. And it really spreads in a nice fashion without being like invasive. Um, silky dogwood is a is a close number two. Red osier is great, but silky also provides a berry versus just woody browse. And then it's they're both uh, like wet tolerant, so it can be in like a wet shady area. Um, number three would probably be service berry. 
just because it's also a shade wet tolerant one and provides a nice foliage berry and also a good screen screening source. And then my probably my favorite shrub besides the thicket plum is the dwarf chinkapin. And it, it's a must have for your property. It, I use it in, in screens on food plots. And I also use it um, on those field edges or mixing it in, in the thicket, like the thicket pocket areas you can create when you do a hinge cut. Um, but those dwarf chinkapin can produce acorns in two to three years. And it's, it's more of a browsing source of food and a, a smaller acorn, you know, versus waiting five to eight, even 10 years some, in some cases for your mature white oak to produce. That's pretty awesome. I mean, to get acorns in that short of a time frame. I mean, that changes the game, really, for planting oaks. Um, it does. And again, not really going to compete with your, you know, your late season food sources. It's more of a September, late August through uh, mid-September browse because they're not big trees. They're dwarf. So you're looking at 12 to 15 foot tall, 10 to 12 foot wide, and just providing a good screen or thicket and an even better food source. We all know acorns work. Right. Yeah, I was just going to ask that, how big those get. So thanks for covering that there. Um, you mentioned during the chestnut, and I saw on your website, a, a couple products that I haven't heard of recently would be your your uh, soft soil and NutriPack. Uh, can you tell me about what those are exactly? And um, I looked at the NutriPack a little bit. It's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, so... The NutriPro or NutriPack is actually um, in every tree survival kit. It's that two-year, we have a two-year and a five-year, but it's a two-year fertilizer pack that you actually put in the ground uh, next to the tree, or you can put on a mature tree's drip line all the way around. And it actually releases fertilizer over, in the north, it's more like two years, more down south, it's like a year and a half. Um, it releases slow releases that fertilizer into the ground and where the roots can kind of reach out to it. So every time you get a rain or you water the tree in that area, it's going to release more fertilizer to the tree. Now, we recommend the two-year pack for any one-year, two-year, or three-year tree because the root systems aren't huge yet and you don't want to burn them out with too much fertilizer. The other option would be the five-year. Once they get past that two-year pack, then you can put in our five-year pack option. Um, the other thing to note, too, is we, we go with this fertilizer pack over spraying fertilizer because, you know, when you spray fertilizer, a lot of almost 80 percent of it ends up in the groundwater. So you're better off just, you know, putting a, a unit for it to sit to and the roots can continually, continually get um, fertilizer from it. And that's for the NutriPro pack. OK, let's let's stay on that subject for a minute. I have a couple of questions. I, I yeah. do remember that now from the the um, survival kits. You're right. And what are those made up of? And how does that compare to like those tree stakes or whatever? Yeah, so this is a, a way more economical approach to fertilizing your trees because those those fruit stakes, fruit tree stakes or evergreen stakes, they uh they can get pretty pricey for like four or five of them, where we can get you these NutriPro packs at a very low cost since we actually make them ourselves. Um, but the difference is you, you don't open the pack with our NutriPro. You just put it directly in the ground and it has my, uh, laser, laser holes that you can't really see with your naked eye on the pack. But if you lay it on a table in some water, you'll see the fertilizer excrete out. Wow. So 
that's just the concept of it. It's kind of like an osmosis kind of deal, but it keeps it from draining it all at once and just giving a little bit at a time, which is really nice. Yeah, I thought maybe it was more of those, like that dissolvable film, but no, that makes perfect sense to me. And when you're, when you're talking, a lot of the fertilizer can go into the groundwater. Would that be, what type of fertilizer are you talking about there? Like a granular that people would drop, a foliar? I guess tell me a little bit more about that. I'm not, I don't know much about fertilizing trees besides, you know, the stake or the pack here. But um, what are other people yeah. doing that we might be able to improve on? Like what are some practices other people might be doing? Yeah, so I know there's the option where you can fill up your sprayer with different fertilizer and make a mix and then you can spray it into the ground where the roots would be or around that drip line and a lot of that is just going to run off into the groundwater whereas we're, we're holding it with this pack or even the stake is a better option because you're holding it there it's not all being released and all running through the roots because like anything even like ourselves as humans when you put too much of like a supplement or something into your body your body can't retain all of it just like the roots won't be able to retain all of it so if we can give it a, you know, a more manufactured dose of fertilizer over time, we've seen better results and then be more effective. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you guys ever looked at like a, a foliar type of fertilizer for trees? I know there's some pesticides and whatnot like that, but. Uh, we have not. No, we, we are pretty selective and just use the NutriPro for our yeah. plantings. All right, tell me about the soft soil. Yep, soft soil is a um, basically basically it breaks down the the bonds that tighten soil. So if you have like a, a heavy clay or just a very dense soil, it's very dry, um, and you're attempting to grow trees in it, it doesn't seem possible. You can actually put this our soft soil. You can spray it. So like one teaspoon will cover. 800 square feet or one tablespoon and two gallons of water will cover 2,500 square feet. But you can take it before you are going to plant these, these trees and you can spray the whole area or broadcast it throughout the whole area. And in a four to six week period, um, you know, rain and water, natural rain will help the process. But in a four to six week period, we can see that soil and I've seen it on my property and also on some of our chestnut orchard plantation spots where the soil is so dang dry, you can barely get in the ground with the auger. And then it's a nice, loose, dark dirt after that month period. So it's like a soil conditioner almost. It kind of cleans the soil out and reconditions it. It makes it a nice, softer soil to plant with, a more nutritious option versus that dry or heavy clay. It's kind of remarkable, honestly. It's used a lot in commercial farming for breaking down the ground and loosening it up. But okay. we can use that same that same um, idea when it comes to the tree planting or the shrubs, sure. or really even even gardening as well. Wow, that's I haven't heard of that. That's pretty crazy. Now, does that um, like do you you said you broadcast or you spray it? Is it a liquid or a powder or granular? It's a it's a liquid, so you could, you would spray it, and okay. then um, I was just meaning broadcast over the entire acre, but. One ounce of it, again, will cover 4,500 square feet. Wow. So we give you, I think it's a two-ounce package. Okay. And I think the price point of only like about 20 bucks. So 
pretty affordable way to kind of prep your ground. And then uh, we try to make it easy, man. If we can create a process, because, you know, a lot of people are, when they jump into trees, it's something new for them. So with the survival kit and with these different options we offer, we want to make it as low maintenance as possible. So then these guys or gals can focus more on their hunting and being strategic in that manner versus, oh, I hope that food plot gets grown in, which food plots are great. And I have food plots on my property, but when you can provide a reoccurring food source, especially late in season after the rut, that provides a better nutrition source with sugars and carbs and more, you know, better nutrition all around, you're going to have healthier deer and you're going to have deer better prepared for the winter so you can hunt them next season too, which I think that's where a lot of us kind of forget about is after we kill a deer in the season, I think it gets more focused on, okay, you know, looking at next year, but how are those deer going to survive and eat? Especially up here by us, Jared, you know, through all the way through February, even sometimes March, April, where there's nothing green on the ground. So if we can provide long-lasting food sources, like an enterprise apple that drops late October to February, and then you have acorns still on the ground because the deer were hitting those apples or pears first, now there's a leftover food source. Now you're providing an all-around yearly cycle that's going to bring more deer to the property and create more pattern than you know what your neighbor might have, which we all know is the name of the game, the diversity. You took the words out of my mouth, man. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, like, and, and like, why not have both, right? So, food plots are awesome. Why not have both? Yeah, like yeah. have everything your neighbor does and more. That's literally what we try to do. So, yeah, that that's awesome. Um, it, how's your crop of trees looking this year? I know some of the orders have started to ship. Um, yeah. What what's it all looking like? Are, are you guys selling out of certain items or? certain items looking really strong what are your thoughts on that for this year yeah and i appreciate you bringing that up because we have and this might resonate you know with more of the the local michigan crowd indiana illinois ohio we have a really nice selection this year of six to ten foot tall three-year-old trees we're talking kefir pear arkansas black honey crisp our hybrid pear all those that are, are kind of difficult for us to ship and they're quite a lot more expensive to ship because they have to go by freight if you're local and you can pick them up um, we have some really great options in stock and also our chestnuts we have some really great uh chestnut crop this year so we have some really strong two-year-old trees in that two to four and a half foot range um and just all the trees in general this year are doing well but we're we're out of stock on a lot already so dwarf chinkapin i think sold out in about two weeks so we're going to do a, a pre-order for that coming this fall for spring of 24 for anyone that's interested in some more dwarf chinkapin. Um, but we're also sold out of a lot of the shrubs and a lot of our fruit trees, besides the bigger ones I just mentioned, are also sold out. So chestnuts, oaks, and large fruit trees and some shrubs are still in stock for the 23 season. And we'll continue to ship all the way through like the first, second week of June before we, we ship to a fall, a fall shipment, which won't start until late August. Yeah, and if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you've been you've been warned to get your orders going come fall or at least winter. <laughs> and um, it's good to know that you're still shipping for another six weeks or so. And this podcast will go out this week, so um, everybody who might be late to the game, which been there, done that many times, uh, you still have a chance to get your stuff in the ground this year, so it can produce sooner for you down the road. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, and just so we, in case we haven't mentioned it yet, but the Habitat 10, that, that discount code for all the Habitat podcast listeners, which we love you guys and gals, um, use that on anything on the website for that 10% off. You can even use it on the commercial orchard chestnut pack as well. But I would wow. recommend if you guys are looking to do five or more acres, reach out via email directly to me or um, via phone and leave us a voicemail and we can actually get you some better pricing on a bigger quantity too. But just wanted to re- rely that out there to the, uh, the podcast group first. We like, we like offering you guys look exclusives when we come on the podcast. So always great to be on. No, of course. And, and the listenership here is, uh, you know, the direct listenership for the type of people that have been planting these type of trees. So it really does make the most sense. Um, I know I, as soon as I get my Northern Michigan 70 logged, I'm going to be on a tree planting frenzy. Um, <laughs> I can't do it till they're done with the first cutter. I'm going to be regretting, you know, wasting time and damaging stuff. So as soon as that's done, which I've been struggling to get that done, but, um, we'll be, we'll be talking more on that. So. Awesome. That's Frank, always the first step, right? It, it is. It <laughs> is. I need some sunlight in there and, and I'll give you a chance to, to plug everything at the end, but we have one little rapid fire question segment we go through um, that we have not done with you yet. So if you're okay. ready, I want to hit that. Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. Number one, your favorite beverage. Favorite beverage. Coffee. Yeah. Guilty. Uh, favorite, <laughs> favorite venison or wild game recipe that you'd like to make. I have to go with the summer sausage. I like to put the the uh, jalapeno cheddar in there. Hot and spicy, easy. Perfect. Uh, archery equipment, do you like fixed blade or mechanical broadheads? I'm more of a fixed blade guy. What do you use the most? Preset tree stands, blinds, or do you mobile hunt with a climber, saddle, etc.? So I do a mix. I have some preset uh, tree stands and also use, we have one elevated blind as well. Nice. Food, water, or cover, most important to you where you're at? Where I'm at, I'm surrounded by cornfields. So for me, and I already have some fruit trees on, on my personal property, I'd say cover is key for me. Your favorite habitat tool or implement could be nursery tool or implement. Tree survival kit. I remember doing trees with my grandpa when I was younger with the fencing, and it was always a pain. So the kit for sure. Good idea. And your favorite <laughs> tree. I think we probably asked you this before on your last last time, but maybe that's changed. Maybe it hasn't. Do you have a favorite tree? It changed days? a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, favorite tree. I'll do favorite tree and favorite shrub. Favorite tree is Enterprise Apple Tree. Unbelievable. Disease resistant. October to February, I said it earlier. Um, it's a big red apple too. So great late season. Even the turkeys will run by and eat them when they're laying on the ground. And then the shrub would be the dwarf chinkapin. Awesome, man. Pass with flying colors. <laughs> so I just want to thank you for, for coming on. If there's anything else that you want to hit before we uh, wrap this up, we're going to get that posted up this week and I'll be sure to tell everybody how to find you. And that code, like you said, for Morris Nursery, guys, is Habitat 10 at checkout. Yep, Habitat 10. And then if you guys want to visit the website, morrisnursery.com, 
Uh, we'll be doing more blog postings of instructional stuff and uh, be on the lookout for our YouTube channel, Morrison Research, where we'll show you the parent trees and actually show you step-by-step -step processes like putting the kit together and things of that nature too. Well, Frank, thank you very much, my man. We appreciate it. Yeah, man. No, I appreciate you having me on and I uh, look forward to working with you guys in the future. Thank you so much, listeners, for coming and listening once again to the Habitat Podcast. We really appreciate it. If you could, please do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you type out something nice, I will send you a free Habitat Podcast decal. If you haven't been to our website, habitatpodcast.com, we have our Habitat property consultation services on there under the land plan tab. Check out our HP land plans there. We also have hats, t-shirts, and decals up at habitatpodcast.com. Of course, all of our podcast episodes. And then we have a new Habitat Podcast journal where you can learn about deer anatomy and some cool thoughts, um, You know, more of a blog post from us every now and then. We'd really love it if you went over to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, found the Habitat Podcast, and please subscribe. That really helps us. And thank you very much to our sponsors. I'd like to thank Vitalize Seed Company at vitalizeseed.com. Packer Max Cultipackers. Exodus Trail Cameras. Michigan Whitetail Pursuit. Endless Horizons Archery. Morse Nursery. First Light. Legendary Forest Products. Acres.co. United Country Midwest Lifestyle Properties. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers. <laughs>